Kia ora, and welcome back to Chasing the Sun podcast with your host, Pastor A.A. Ron. Thank you so much for tuning in each week as we try to understand how best to chase the sun and pursue this life that Christ has called us to live. One of the challenges that I see young people facing in pursuing Christ is that sometimes it can be a bit boring pursuing Jesus. And we now live in a culture that is about chasing the experience. And this dawned on me recently. Uh, last episode I was talking about the HM Rage camp that I was on. And while I was there, I saw these young people just worshipping with their bodies and with their hearts. Uh, and they loved it and they wanted to go on for more. And since coming back, some of the young people in our youth group uh, have continued to ask for worship week in and week out. And it is so cool to see them wanting to sing God's praises and connect with God through worship, to stand side by side with their brothers and sisters in Christ and just praise Him. One of the things that I think young people have to understand is the place of worship, particularly musical worship in our uh, Christian walk in the life of chasing the sun. You see, if we continue to put it as the pinnacle of our relationship with God, then it means it only really happens once, maybe twice a week. And so what we can do is we can kind of neglect the blessings of the boring. We can neglect the majesty of the mundane. And so in this episode, we're going to look at a few key stories where Christ comes to people in what we might call the boring mundaneness of their life. And then we're going to start to understand a little bit of how we can still pursue Christ in a in the times of boringness and mundaneness and times of, I guess, silence. And the amazing thing about that is that actually better prepares us for those times of musical worship because our lives have been in a place of worship so as we come to the word today we're going to be looking through a few stories in the book of luke and uh, one particular story in the gospel of john and then we'll finish with a story in acts so if you've got your bibles you can open up and check out luke chapter 5 and at the start of chapter 5 here we see that jesus is going to call some of his first disciples and so he's already teaching and we see that on one occasion it says that while the crowds was pressing in on him to hear the word of god he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fish, uh, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put it out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we taught all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men, or fishers of men. 
And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And we see in this story, and there's a lot to unpack in the story, and I don't want to get into all of it. But one of the key takeaways I just want us to get out of this is, these guys were just cleaning their nets. They were, they'd done a, a long night of fishing. They hadn't caught anything. They're cleaning their nets. And at the word of Jesus, they put out and they were able to bring in a large catch. Now, for them, that was a sign of who Jesus was. And we see that by Peter's response. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. You don't just do that for anyone. You do that for the Son of God. So what about you? What is it that's your workplace, your study, your school? Where is it that is your normal place of, I guess, day-to-day life, lives? So where is your normal day-to-day life spent? Because for Peter and these other disciples, it was just catching fish. And they may never have thought that coming in after that night, that they would eventually get to meet the Son of God. And my challenge to you is to think, what is it and in what place is it that maybe I'm not expecting to find Christ that I can actually see him and come to him? We move on in the same chapter in verse 27 and it says that um, after this, um, so after some uh, healing that he had done of a paralyzed man, um, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me and leaving everything he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at tables with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician or a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but to sinners to repentance. And so we see the calling of Levi here. But again, Levi is sitting in the tax booth, what he does day in and day out, not realizing that that would be the day that he would come and he would encounter encounter Jesus, the living God. So we see here two stories of disciples who their calling for the first time was during the boring mundaneness of their life. Fishermen and a tax collector. One were cleaning nets, the other was sitting doing his normal job. We see in Luke chapter 9 the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Again, we see that they'd been following Jesus. They were sitting there listening to his teaching and all of a sudden these people needed food. There was nowhere to buy food from. All they had um, was five loaves and a couple of fish. And they just thought, how are we going to feed these 5,000 people with all this little that we have? And they came to Jesus and Jesus said, bring them to me, sit people down in groups of 50 Um, And taking five loaves and two fish, he looked up to the heavens and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Now this story uh, is primarily about how Christ is the bread of life. And he shows that by example by feeding the 5,000 physical bread. And then he calls them to say that um, if you were to come after me, you were to eat my flesh, as it were, in a metaphorical sense. You were to be united with Christ in this way. But again, we just see here that they, they're just sitting under his teaching. They're just about to have a meal and they encounter a miracle in what we might consider generally quite a boring day for them. Yes, they're listening to Jesus the teacher. Not boring, I get that. But what about you? At what point are you sitting under the teaching 
of maybe a pastor? What point are you sitting under the teaching of the word and you're picking up the Bible for yourself and you're studying it? And in that place, God decides to do a work in your life and shows up. We see at the cross of Christ. Now, this is not a boring, mundane event by any means, and I don't want to downplay the event. But there's someone here who is in the boring mundaneness of their job. And we see in Luke chapter 23, verse 44, it was now about the sixth hour, uh, which is um, about 3 p.m. Sorry, six hours noon. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last breath. And we see this beautiful picture of Christ giving up his life so that we could be united with him and enter into relationship with the Father. In verse 47 it says, Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. Again, the centurion, a Roman soldier, not accustomed to Jewish traditions by any means, was probably crucifying people on a daily basis, looks up and sees what happens and says, Certainly this man was innocent. In the boring mundaneness of his job, he encountered Christ. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus is on his way through Samaria. And he stops at a place they call Jacob's Well. So he stops, he has some rest, he sends his disciples in to get food from the nearby town. It was about the sixth hour, so it's 3 p.m. Uh, sorry, sixth hour, again, is midday, 12 p.m., hottest part of the day. And there's a woman from Samaria who came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me water to drink. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Just a little comment says, For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Bit of a racial kind of thing going on in that space, traditionally before Christ comes along. And we go on this journey of Christ kind of going, If you knew who I was, you would ask to drink the water that I have for you, which is living water. Jesus then goes on to describe how uh, she's had five husbands, um, the man she's with now isn't married, um, they get into a debate uh, about worship, and eventually um, she comes to realize, um, I, she says, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ, when he comes he will tell us all these things. And then eventually she goes into town and brings people out to hear about Jesus. Again, this woman was just going and collecting water. That's all she was doing. She was going and getting water. She was an outcast in her society. She was going at midday, which what we understand is traditionally that if the woman are going out to draw water from the well, they'll go in the cooler times of the day, early in the morning, later in the afternoon. Midday meant that woman didn't want to be around her because of her social status. So we see another beautiful reminder of Jesus reaching out to the marginalized in society. But also we see here this woman not ready to experience Christ and what he had to offer, but in the mundaneness of her life came into an experience with him, came to understand who he is. In uh, Acts chapter 9, it's described as the conversion of Saul. Uh, and so Saul, who uh, 
through the rest of the New Testament, really after this, we come to know of him as Paul. Not that there's a name change there or anything like that, but we come to know of him as Paul rather than Saul. He'd, yeah, so he'd been breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, uh, went to the high priest and asked for letters so that he could go to a certain location, uh, go to Damascus and arrest people and bring them to Jerusalem. On his way to Damascus, on his way to go and capture Christians who eventually would probably be put to death in Jerusalem, a light from heaven shone around him and filling the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what to do. And we see here, again, just in a journey. And in fact, for Paul, or for Saul, it was a journey of um, attack against Christ and his people, and Jesus comes to him in this moment. Now, as we look back and we read these stories, we wouldn't put them as mundane, boring encounters with Jesus Christ. But as each one of these people woke up in the morning, they were going about their boring, mundane parts of their life. And they had an encounter with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I get it, young people. You are searching for an experience and an encounter with Jesus Christ, something that you can hold on to and put your faith and trust in. And I get that. We're living now in an experiential culture where It is not about, I think, therefore I am. It is, I feel, therefore I am. It is based around, if I can experience and feel it, therefore it is true. It actually doesn't always matter what facts are saying. If I can experience and feel it, therefore it is true. The beautiful picture of the Bible is that God does come to us and give us encounters where we can feel and experience God. But it might not be in the way that you are ready for Or a way that you are expecting it to be. Yes, there is something beautiful about worshipping with other people your age. Worshipping music that you enjoy. And there's emotion that can come over us in those moments. I'll be honest myself. Like, I love camps. And I love church on a Sunday morning. Because I love standing side by side with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And singing praises to God. At camps, I love it because I can dance around. And I can, you know, kind of be a bit more expressive. Because that's what other people are doing. But these things are only heightened when I seek Christ in the mundane, when I seek his blessing in the boring, that when I come to his word, when I have downtime and I seek him out to see what he is trying to say to me, and I trust that if I follow his example and I follow what his words are saying to me, that through that I continue to abide in him. One of the pictures of the Bible is that we are now in Christ. That means right now, young person, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are in him. So the question is, why should I do what he says? Because I'm in him. And that's what you do when you are in him. That I am bound together with him in every aspect and part of my life. Meaning that when I come to his word, when no one else is around, when it's quiet and silent, and I sit with him and try to hear from him through his word, he will speak to me. He will speak to me in a way that I may not be ready for. I may have woken up today thinking I'm just going to vacuum. But as I'm vacuuming, I'm meditating on what I've read in the Bible and I'm starting to understand, hey, what does it actually mean to love my neighbor? And I go, well, who is my neighbor? Okay, let's think geographically it's the person right next door. Maybe I should go knock on the door. 
see if there's something that I can help them with and love them in that way. Or maybe I'm reading where Jesus says that if you give a cup of water to those who are thirsty, if you give food to those who are hungry, it is like you gave it to me. And so I'm looking around in my community, at school, in my workplace, wherever that is, and I'm looking for those people who need help, who I can show the love of God to, because I'm in Christ and Christ wants to love them, and I get to be a part of that. But maybe it's just saying, I just want to spend time with you, God. I am united with you in a similar way that a husband and wife are united together in a marriage relationship. And for you as a young person, you're going, God, I don't really know you that well. Well, now's an opportunity. Open your Bible in the boring mundaneness of your life and get to know him. Stop and think about how many hours you spend on YouTube and social media Maybe use YouTube as an opportunity to learn more about God and find people who are talking about who he is. And then I go to my Bible and I check that what they're saying is accurate. Maybe when I'm hanging out with my mates, you know, we chat about stuff for a little while and then we go, hey, let's just open the Bible and talk about what it means and try and learn and grow from one another. One of the challenges that I'll give you is to memorize scripture. In the memorization of scripture, it puts us in a place that in the boring mundaneness of life, God will use that to speak to us. Time and time again, um, sitting in the shower, standing in the shower, there's nothing else going on. It's just me and my thoughts. And God brings scripture to my mind. He brings stories from the Bible to my mind. And he's, and he's challenging me on how I could teach that to someone and how I could teach that to myself and how I could live this story out. And how can you use your freedom that you have by being in Christ to free yourself from bondage to that sin? Constantly at the moment I find myself in my downtime being reminded that I'm quite a prideful person. That even as I sit and do this podcast, I'm hoping lots of people will listen and be challenged by it. And I have to remind myself that this podcast is not about me. My ministry is not about me. My house is not about me. My life is not about me. But it's about helping other people come to know Christ and be united with him. So if you want to find blessing in the boring, majesty in the mundane, I urge you to do two things. Read your Bible and memorize your Bible. For then when we put our phones down, when we turn our media off, when we sit alone, God will use that. God will use that to speak to us through his word. And then you'll start to come to a place that I find myself coming to on a regular basis, which is when it's time for musical worship with a community of other believers. The experience is far greater because I have found blessing in the boring and majesty in the mundane that when the music takes hold of my heart and my emotions... It takes me back to those boring, mundane moments of my week. As I sing that there is power in the name of Jesus, I'm reminded that Jesus stood up and calmed a storm. When I sing songs about the darkness fleeing, I'm reminded that Jesus cast out a legion of demons. When I sing about God being good, I'm reminded that every single day I get to wake up knowing that. That because I'm united with Christ, 
I'm reminded sin has no power over me anymore. So how are you this week? As you chase the sun, going to find blessing in the boring and majesty in the mundane. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you have a good week chasing the sun.